Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Hannibal Race, Mud, Mudgear Hannibal Race Pro. I'm mixing up my own name. Uh, Evan Preparis and Strength and Speed owner. Joining me, I got William Shell. Will, say hi. Hey, how's it going, Evan? Good. Uh, before we get to him, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Fat Grips. If you're not familiar with Fat Grips, they're those rubber sleeves that go over barbell and dumbbell handle, handles. Great training uh, for grip that I use. I actually use them year-round, but in the off-season, like, they get a ton of use because I end up doing more weight training. So I really like it because you can put it on barbells, dumbbells. Essentially, you can turn every exercise in the gym into a grip exercise. It really helps your grip and uh, helps build that endurance, especially in the off-season. That way you can come into 2024 ready to crush it, literally and figuratively. So you head over and check out Fat Grips. There's a, there's a, I think a slim version, a normal version, which are the blue ones, and then there's like the extreme version, which is the red ones. I have the blue and the red, uh, the normal and the extreme. So highly recommend both of them. You will have to drop your weight a little bit when you start putting them on and start using them, but then you kind of adjust to that. And you know, again, it's working your grip more than it's working some of the other muscles. So check them out at FatGrips.com, or you can head over to the ocr uh protein.com website our newly designed um protein website all right we got will joining us will is the owner of mythic race uh, one of the midwest honestly my favorite ocr in the midwest here i love it and recently went to ocrwc when i mean not recently because we've been putting this podcast off for a while so we're going to be talking primarily about ocrwc uh this episode and then also what's coming up in mythic race in their third year. So uh, also Will's a former pro track athlete. So a experienced athlete himself, both in the pure running side and then transitioned over into OCR. If you listen to this podcast a while, you've heard him on the podcast before and we've, I've talked about him a couple of times before. So uh, again, Will welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start off with OCRWC. Talk to me about one expectations going in and then kind of two how those started playing out, right? Cause there was some big concern because Spartan essentially bought OCRWC. So there's some trepidation of like, are they changing all the obstacles? I know that they switched out some of their build crew. They kept a lot of the staff the same, but there was some concerns going in. And I know we were like talking behind the scenes uh, before the event. So talk to me about concerns going in and kind of how that played out. Uh, um, I was a little concerned going in, um, you know, with changing the ownership. There's always the risk of changes, good or bad. And I knew most of the build crew, so I kind of got a little more behind the scenes about you know some obstacles they were changing. I just didn't want to go there and wind up being you know, Spartan World Championships instead of OCR World Championships. Right, right. And but, then, um, uh, good. Which events did you end up participating in? Because it's a packed uh, weekend. All, if you're not familiar with OCRWC, uh, all five of them. So it was a long weekend. Yeah. So t- take us through kind of each individual event real quick, and kind of what what you liked about it and what was kind of unique compared to some of the other years? Uh, well, first of all, um, if anyone skipped out because they were scared of Spartan, um, you missed out. It was probably the best OCRWC course I've ever been on. It was really good. There was still all the main major obstacles you guys are familiar with at OCRWC. Um, the only real course that was like 100% Spartan was their 100 meter, which was not important to me. So if that's kind of your thing, you may be a little disappointed there, but overall it was great. Uh, the most runnable mountain course they've had. So I kind of enjoyed that a little more than just the big up and downs. They're kind of smaller climbs throughout. Probably about the same overall elevation as Vermont, but it was more broken up with a lot more running. Oh, nice. 
That is nice. The, I, I like that better than when it's like a pure, just like uphill death march. Yeah, we didn't have like the 32-hour going climb at all. Nice. But, um, the, the 3K I thought was good. Uh, a lot of people said the obstacles were too easy. But I think the 3K should be more about speed over difficulty. So I thought it was a good balance. Um, the 15Ks um, was probably overall... I'd say about the same as the last Vermont. Um, 15K as far as difficulty, it was definitely harder than the 3K. A lot of the more challenging obstacles were there. Um, they are spaced out pretty good. Um, the uh, monkey in the middle was added. I think the first time it's been on outside of Spartan, so that was kind of nice to see. Uh, not, not much else new, though, so that was kind of disappointing. Like, uh, like I said, the 100 meter was all Spartan. Yeah. So quite as flashy as it was in the past. I think Olympus was on there and it kind of slowed down the momentum. I think if they had more of their Spartan rigs, they'd have been just fine. Yeah. Well, the 100 meter, you know, this is this is the fourth time we've done it or third time? I'm getting my ears confused at this point. But I know uh, that... Third, third, time here, third time here in the United States. Yeah, yeah third time in the United States. I can't remember if they had it in uh, England before that. I think they did one year. I, I think so too. Um, so they did, in, they did the nuclear race in England. The first time they did it in the U.S., honest, honestly, I thought that was that was not good. That was the year where like no. the bells were – the rigs weren't that long, so people were jumping and not doing any obstacles and just like hitting the bell. It was like the the running long jump competition. Yeah, that um, wasn't good. Last year I thought it was really good. It was hard. Uh, I, I did it in the cold, and my hands were like I was dying out there. Um, it was like that frozen morning. And then this year, yeah, it obviously favored the Spartan athlete, which I didn't really like to see. But again, I think back to two years ago, and it's a, it's an improvement over two years ago. Oh, Maybe yeah. Not as good definitely. as last year, but it's definitely an improvement over two years ago. So. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the worst. Yes. Yeah. And the, you know, it's good to hear the obstacles, a lot of the classic obstacles from OCWC or like their unique obstacles were there. Uh, still very similar as far as like one of the things I always appreciate about OCRWC is their obstacles are not like super long or super hard but it's like a lot of grip um and none of them are really that long so like if you rest and take a couple minutes to regroup you typically can get through it if you have that kind of base of grip and uh, upper body strength yeah i think that's very fair it wasn't like one or two obstacles that you had to be a ninja to get through it was all the same you had to be good at obstacles but if you took your time especially in between them you'd get through them gotcha gotcha and you said the terrain was a lot more runnable. I know there's a little uh, less steep uphills. As far as like muddiness and rockiness, uh, pretty well-groomed trails or a lot of uh, rocky footing, et cetera? Uh, the trails are pretty good, mostly loose gravel. Uh, the altitude was a beast, though. Mm. Really hard to, hard to breathe up there. So that, that got me the first couple of days. Yeah. Kind of a change from Vermont. We did get wet. We had to do a dunk wall. Uh, it was cold, but... Um, it wasn't undoable. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm working for? It wasn't torture. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm pretty skinny and I don't like to be cold, but we got out in the sun afterwards. I was dry within a mile. Okay. Yeah. And that didn't really, that didn't affect the obstacles too much. I know sometimes the placement of a water obstacle can really throw off like a grip obstacle if it's too close. Um, the trapeze was pretty close afterwards and I was in an early wave. So I didn't have any trouble, but I didn't really hear anyone complaining about it. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. Cool. All right. Your recommendation about doing all five events, is that still, do you, 
<laughs> I know we've got me and you have gone in the past and sometimes you're like four, three or four events in and you're like, oh man, this is not the right decision. Um, uh, I'm a little better shape than the okay. beginning. So it wasn't quite as bad. Uh, still regret the decision on the charity event, but I do that every year. Yeah. Um, this year, the 100 meter, they gave medals out to everybody. So that's kind of why I did it this year. Oh, uh, nice. So if, you're a, if you're a collector, that was kind of a nice change. I've got it. Good. If you're going to compete, I wouldn't really recommend doing them all, though. Yeah, if you like, if you focus on what your strengths are and what you're um, good at. I did write an article for OCRWC a couple of years ago that talked about that. Basically, like if you're going to compete, you to focus on what you make sure you get your best one out of the way first. But mm-hmm. if your best one's early in the weekend, then you might as well. You already traveled and spent the money. You might as well enjoy the rest of the weekend and okay. like, do the do the 15k so you get to see all the obstacles and. Uh, continue to do the other events just so you can, you know, earn some of that swag and get that experience because it's it's a very unique experience. And um, I talked to Garfield. He says thing about doing like a extra medal if you do all five for next year. So that's kind of insider thing. Yeah, I I gotta get Garfield on the line. I've got a couple of really good ideas that I would like to see fruition come at uh, OCRWC. One of them yeah. is I call it a uh, one band to rule them all, right? Playing oh. Lord, Lord of the Rings, right? So like give a special golden band for anyone that keeps their band during all of the events. That would be nice. That is my song, but right. Cause you go there, you do the event and you get your three K your 15 K you get it. You get your band, your team band. Right. And then you're like, well, which one do I wear? Do I wear them all? But it would be cooler if you got like, you got one band to show like, Hey, I not only have the like strength and endurance to do all this, but you know, I have the consistency and I, I threw down all weekend. So. I like that. Uh, yeah, that's that's one of my good ideas. Um, and you know, like the cost of them producing a gold wristband is is marginal. nothing. It's yeah. nothing. It's like pennies, right? Um, oh yeah. And if you really want to make it nice, you could do a metal one, right? Like the uh, know we have metal. Uh, we do a metal wristbands for a lot of like uh, fallen heroes for the military. So uh, that's an option too if they want to go a little fancier. But yeah, like I'll that. hit them. I'll hit them up offline. Try, try to make that happen. Uh, 2024 OCWC heading back to the same location, correct? Uh, that's the unofficial. It's right now just listed as California. I don't think they've got the contract nailed down, but it's supposed to be back in Mammoth. Okay. Any, I know there was a, again, anytime you move an event, people like to voice their opinion because it becomes very inconvenient for a group of people, but it suddenly becomes a lot more convenient for a different group. Uh, how was travel to the event and kind of, do you have any recommendations for anyone who's looking to head out there next year? Um, so I'd, say, I'd say it's about the same as going to Vermont. Um, I had to fly into Reno, so it's a three-hour drive versus a one-hour drive from Rutland, where I flew into, which is a much smaller airport. But it was easy to get to. The drive is very scenic. Not a lot of traffic. The only traffic you get is in Reno. Um, probably about the same price-wise. Probably a little more expensive um, flying in. Um, hotels are about the same price on the at the village. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Anything anything else we missed for OCRWC that we uh you think we need to cover? Um as far there as like the, a lot it. of new people there. I think our three K web you said fifty percent had never been there before, so that was kinda nice to see. Nice. But overall the numbers were low. So kind of like any OCR event, if you you know, people want to keep it around, they need to be sure to get out there next year because for one, it was a great event and yeah, keep supporting the guys if you want to stay around. 
Right. And I'll say the same thing I say about Tough Mudder. Um, I say about now that Spartan owns both, right? Uh, the It is no longer their baby, right? So it is, I think it's easier to make cuts and adjustments when it's not your baby. It's just a business acquisition. So I think it's more important than ever to show support for brands like OCRWC or like World's Toughest or Toughest Mudder, right? Those those events that, you know, may not have, I know like their toughest numbers were lower this year. Um, and I think they, they they're, were back up to two, two toughest on the calendar last time I checked. So yeah. that's a good sign. But uh, for a while, I was getting worried that they were going to drop it down to one or maybe in like a couple of years of it, the numbers keep getting lower to, you know, just replace it with infinity. So, yeah. Let's see. Cool. Well, uh, OCRWC sounds like great event as always. Um, I think I'm supposed to be writing some articles for them in 2024. So keep an eye on their website. I uh, should see, should see some more of my content up there. I took the year off in 2023, but there should be more articles. And then if anyone wants to check out the OCRWC website again, I have a ton of articles up there on technique for obstacles and stuff like that, uh, where I break down the individual obstacles and talked about things that um, methods you can use that even if you're not, that obstacle is not specifically there. It's a lot of like, principles that you can apply to other stuff and then if you want even more technique again my book strength the new strength and speed guide to elite obstacle course racing available off amazon and hard copy and digital or if the website teamstrikespeed.com you can pick those up um so a lot of good tips in there oh yeah you, you write the best books i appreciate it well i appreciate it. I, I i've got a couple of friends who are always uh picking up the newest copy of everything so uh i know you're one of them and i i, I do appreciate the support it's great. You, you missed. I missed out this year. You didn't have anything for world championships this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, uh, I was at an army combatives course. My last chance to take this one. Um, so I, I prioritized that over OCRBC this year. So, understandable. Yeah, yeah. We'll see about next year. Um, all right. Let's let's jump into your specialty, and the the bigger reason I have you on the podcast, which is Mythic Race. So we're entering our third year of Mythic Race. Give me, give me a rundown of what's in store. Tell update the listeners on you know what's changed, etc. Uh, let's start talking mythic. Uh, so first of all, we got a new venue. It's about I'd say five minutes from the um, raceway where we were at last time. Uh, same owners, so they're familiar with us. But we don't have to compete for other events. I don't have to worry about my date getting moved or having to get in, in or out of the venue quickly, which is nice. Is there more um, shade this year? Yes. Um, Good. Probably about, I bet I got about one mile at least worth of burning in the woods. And we got some open fields with the obstacles would be, so yeah. it'll be a much cooler experience as far as nice. temperature. It wasn't even that hot last year. It was just early in the season and my body hadn't been conditioned yet. And I remember being out there and being like, oh, I'm not, I'm not feeling too good. I did the five hour, uh, the mythic race I went to last year. Yeah, so we're, we're doing five hour again as well. Okay, five hour and the elite heat and an open heat. Yeah, for the five k. Gotcha. And then still, are we still doing team award? Are we still doing? Uh, uh yes, group podium, uh, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah, the team trophy though won't be as big unless we get a, enough numbers. That was really expensive last year. <laughs> the 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 team trophy is preposterous. So we'll have to post a picture of it. Yeah, I, I got it on my um, Amazon card. Wait, nice guy. Get a little more numbers. Gotcha. All right. 
Uh, when it, when is the race and where? Uh, it's April 13th. Uh, it's in a very small village called Blodgett, Missouri. Um, you'll probably travel into either Cape Dorado or Sykeston. That's where you'll be staying at if you're traveling from out of the area. And for the people who are coming in from like real far, uh, would they fly into Cape Girardeau or they fly into like St. Louis and drive down? What's the, uh, you can fly into Cape. So Cape, um, goes in and out of Nashville. That would be the closest airport. And then Memphis and St. Louis would be about two ish hours away. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, talk to me about your build crew and, uh, kind of what obstacles people can look forward to. Okay. So I got the best build crew, um, race ready obstacles. Aaron, he comes down and helps me and my dad build, which I couldn't do it without him. So I, I owe him a lot because he kind of corrects all my mistakes of my designs. But he's got a lot of new stuff being built. I think I got two things I'm having to work on for this year. Um, more technical obstacles. Kind of inspired from stuff in Europe. So it'd be a nice new challenge for people. I don't think they've been here in the United States yet. Yeah. I mean, you already have some of the most unique obstacles, not in, not in just the Midwest, but across the nation. So, like one of my favorite, my favorite one from last year, Race Ready just posted a video of it a couple of weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, it's like a the bar with the the hexagon thing, and you got to rotate the hexagon, and it flips the bar over. What's that one called? Uh, that'll be six axis. So the ending will change a little bit from last year. We call it the Race Ready rig last year because I followed their stuff on it. Gotcha. So we'll put it into the more official. Original idea this year, so the ending will be a little tougher. Gotcha. And then you had another rig that I thought was really cool um, because, like, three quarters of the way through it, it was like a bunch of bars, and you had to go, actually go under um, and then complete the rig. Yeah, that will actually won't be making an appearance this year. It'll be something else. Okay. Okay. I, I did like that one because I thought it was a, it was a cool way to like make the rig long, but also give people a break if they needed it. And it was surprisingly awkward to get underneath the bar. Yeah. Yes, it's one of the tougher things of this area is trying to find the balance of difficult and more for the first timers because I think I'm the only obstacle racer in the area. Yeah, it's also that I know. Uh, talk to me about your uh, mandatory completion policy slash podium uh, policy type thing. Okay, so we're we're an obstacle race, so um, obstacle completion is the most important. So how we do it's kind of like how Indian Mud Run used to do it is. You got your time, then you got the, your fails. So if you go run a clean race and it takes you six hours, you'll place higher than someone that fails once and they do it in two minutes. So you can never place lower than someone who's failed more than you. All right. But if, if someone, let's say someone fails uh, one obstacle, but everyone else failed two or more, or is that one person who failed one obstacle still on the podium? Are they still win the race? Are they still on the podium? Yep. Yeah, so you can, excuse me, you can even podium you with one fail. I think we only had one woman in the last two years get through completely clean. So that's why it's always worthwhile to keep trying. Even if you fail one, it's not all or nothing. It's one fail, two fail, three fail, et cetera. So it's always worth it to keep going, even if you have one or two fails. I really like that, especially for people who may be newer to the sport and are a little like hesitant about jumping in on some of the more technical obstacles. I think it's a, it's a great way to bring them in and make sure the podium still is full um at the end of the day but also reward like you said reward the people who are obstacle course racing right mm -hmm. it rewards that skill which is what uh should be placed uh the highest value in yeah absolutely it's not just a trail race we got yeah. plenty of those right right um 
What about what about the the traverse? What do I call it? Um, it was like a sketch traverse Z Z board. I don't even know. It's so hard we call to... that we call that ice climber. It's basically the sketch hooks. So we got a section. Um, it's the Z wall with eye bolts for the hooks. Section of sketch in the middle, and then another section of eye bolts. That one was that one was surprisingly hard. I. I remember on the five did the when I did the five hour the last couple laps I think I I think I failed the last two laps if I remember correctly. It's going to be a little different this year, so. And then your low rig was also um, it's always good. I, low rigs are always awkward. Um, that's although I do get I feel like for low rigs I get better with successive laps because I figure out what my technique is mm-hmm. as a general rule. Yeah, we'll be. I think I'll make that one a little harder this year, like a little too easy. Okay. Okay. And then the, one of the other unique ones you had was the archery. Is that still there? Oh, yeah. That'll be there. Um, I got enough spears to probably throw a spear throw in there, too. have two accuracy obstacles this year. Mm. I, I don't like the spear throw, but okay. I mean, <laughs> we're not designing the race for Evan, but I people do like spear throws. So, well, some, some guy gave me a couple more spears last year. So, we'll play oh, this. man. Did I shoot myself in the foot on this one? Possibly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's too bad. Um, what else? Anything else I'm missing for Mythic Race? Um, we got a small pond on the property. It won't be swim depth, but we may be getting in about three foot deep of water near the end. Okay. Gotcha. Um, other than that, talk to me about uh, where can people sign up? Uh, pricing any any discounts you have that are coming up, etc. And so we're on run sign up. If you just Google run sign up, mythic race, you'll find us. Um, no active discounts at the moment, but prices increase at the end of the year. Yeah. That'll be our first increase. And then I think February is the final pricing. Um, if you guys got a large group, like a, you got a corporate group or like your running team wants to come out, we can work out a large group discount. Just email us. Gotcha. Sweet. And I, I think I posted the updated rules on the run sign up page. So you can kind of get a sneak peek of some of the new obstacles descriptions there nice nice and then um talk to me a little bit about your charity partner the event yeah. um so we we're supporting eagle ridge christian school again on this one we supported the last two years it's a small private school here in southeast missouri it's the one i went to they're really doing a lot of good work they work a lot in the community as well um, but i'm excited about our new one which is restore the wonder it's a foster care camp for kids kind of give them you know a week the best week of their lives pretty much the goal let them know that you know, God still loves them, that adults out there still love them, want the best for them. Just give them a good time. Yeah, great. That's Love it. Love all the work you're doing. I also love that, again, I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but you're one of the guys who you saw other races. There are things you liked about them, things you didn't like about them, and then you're like, I'm just going to create my own. So it's just the way I want it. And I love that because it's just like, it's just like a, I'm going to be the own solution to the problem uh, mentality. I love it. So I give you a lot of credit. Besides St. Louis, which is two hours for me, the next closest like real race is six hours, the front line up in Byron. Right. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about your partnership with Hazelwood OCR, another one of our Midwest fan favorites. Yeah. So uh, we're coming together, kind of doing a three race series this year. Um, They got their first race in March uh, 23rd. It looks like that's their shorter one. They're uh, kind of similar to the one they've been doing, the Massacre, uh, but they changed it to, I think it's the Mosh this year. Mm-hmm. And then they're actually going to do a longer one 
uh, October 26th. I'll be the last race in our series. They're doing a five mile, which is kind of a longer race for them. And it's in a new venue. So that'll be exciting. Nice. Yeah. If you like obstacles running that series, the two Hazelwood and the mythic ones is probably the best decision you can make uh, for like legit obstacles in 2024. I mean, the obstacles are phenomenal. Like you, you go there and then when you go to some other branch, you'll be like, we have, like, I don't know why I'm paying twice as much for um, half the number of obstacles and half the quality of the obstacles. So highly recommend going to Hazelwood. I highly recommend going to Mythic Race. Uh, I did one of Myth- Hazelwood's last year, and I did Mythic Race last year, and they were both phenomenal experiences. So, Yeah, I feel like off- good obstacles and probably the best bang for your buck. Absolutely. Buck. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, what else? what else am I missing on Mythic Race? Uh, for the series, we're doing an overall time um, for prize package. We're working with a couple of sponsors to get that together. So it'll be your overall time from the three races if you're trying to go for the those podium prizes. Nice. Nice. Good stuff. We're going to try to do on-site camping this year for Mythic Race. Uh, the owners have a church camp property adjacent to the venue. They got cabins there, so we're working out to see if we can get those for you guys so you can actually be like two minutes from the start line. Cool. Love it. Um, tell me a little bit more um, before we start wrapping things up. Tell me a little bit about more about your personal plans outside of, because I mean, like we talked about, you're not only a race director, race owner, but you're also an athlete who competes. Uh, what are your plans for 2024? I'm getting my schedule together. I'll be at the bottomless snow race, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin in January for the first time. So I'm excited about that. Oh, that's a fun uh, event. Uh, but it looks cold. I hate the cold, but it'll be fun. It's actually once you once you start moving, you're fine. And uh, there's no water typically on the course, so you know you put a couple layers on that are breathable, and be prepared to like strip off a couple layers if you get too warm, and uh, pick up some blagments, obviously, and uh, from TeamStrengthSpeed.com, and you just keep moving. It, it's a super fun race. I did it in 2018, and I think the ending had like there was a couple times I think there's like a. Uh, inner tube thing where you like you essentially go sledding in the middle of the race for a, a little bit that's interesting i want to say i wore uh for the, I, I brought uh ice bug shoes for that one and i also bought like merrill road race shoes and yak tracks and i want to say i wore the yak tracks for that one uh yak track essentially if anyone's unfamiliar it's essentially a rubber like x pattern that goes over the a normal set of shoes and on it, it has like what looks like a, a spring wrapping around the, the rubber thing. So essentially provides grip. So you can run with Yak Tracks, you can like legit run on pure ice and still have good grip. So I, I thought I had a better grip with that than I did with the ice bugs at the time. So, so they let you wear those there? Yep. They let us wear Yak Tracks there. Okay, yeah. Cool. So unless they changed something in the last couple of years, uh, they were legit in tw- uh, 2018. Have you used them before, Will? No, I have not. We don't get that much snow over here. Yeah. They are... I bought them and didn't use them for a couple of years, and then finally it snowed uh, and it like iced one year, and I was like, I just got to test these things out. And I was floored by how well they work. You know, because you're like... You're being like super hesitant because you're not, you're not sure you're going to have like good footing. And then you're like, oh no, I can run. I can like straight up run on this. And you're like <laughs> just running down like pure ice roads. It's awesome. It's pretty cool. Watch out for cars though. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then um, I'm going to go to the last Conquer the Gauntlet in September. They're nice. Wrapping up their careers. Okay. Say yeah, goodbye yeah. to them. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm still unsure if I'm going or if I want to leave uh, my last memory as a fourth place finish in the prize money with uh, you know, a decent race for myself. So we'll see I, I gotta get I gotta get my band. So that's the goal for this year. Yeah, I know a couple of people who have uh, put it on their calendar specifically to try to beat Pegatron. So it is it is a rough so, one. I got Pegatron on my second lap of a continuum, but not the first, so it didn't count for 100. percent Ah. I got it once. Okay. Did you uh, do it when they had blocked out the second row of holes? Or did you do it when uh, there's still a full all the I holes there? I didn't know they did that, so I guess no. I yeah, so you're yeah. going to have to the, – the big tip for Pegatron is you're going to have to stay high because essentially halfway across the bottom set of holes – so I guess there's there's basically like four rows of holes about. The bottom two rows are completely blacked out about halfway across. Right? That's so you, nice. No, it's not nice. And people, that's why that failure rate went back up. So people have to stay high on the pegboard and traverse via those top pegs. Um, so just a little pro tip there. So Good I would, know. I would practice, uh, what I do for peg, peg work is I, it's typically after a rest day, it is the first thing I do in the workout. And I do one set as far as I can go. And then I do about, three to four more sets again, as far as I can go, just working on getting as many movements I had, I can. So the pegboard I have at work uh, in the gym is pretty small. So it basically allows me to do one movement before I've reached the other side horizontally. And I just go back and forth going right once left once right once without dropping. And then, you know, until my group gives out, I fall, take two, two to five, two or three minutes or so. Try it again. Try it again, try it again, try it again, et cetera. And then I go about the rest of my workout, but kind of prioritizing that peg work, board work because that's typically the obstacle that uh, gives a little bit, a lot of people a lot of trouble. So, yeah, I think definitely one of the hardest in the whole industry. Yeah. I To me, that peg, Pegatron is the hardest obstacle in, in OCR. Yes, period. The hmm. can there be rigs that are harder? Yes. But rig as a generic term is sometimes easy, sometimes medium, and sometimes hard. So to me, as like a standard, quote unquote, standard-ish obstacle, to me, Peg- Pegatron is the hardest obstacle in most CR. I'll see if I can come to something harder than that. <laughs> Sounds... And then, uh, um, the biggest event I'm excited about is um, the Midwest OCR race in Illinois. You heard about that one? Oh, yeah. I totally forgot. I got to bring uh, Aaron on. So, yeah, tell tell people a little bit about that. So um, race-ready obstacles, which most people are kind of familiar with, they're actually going to make their own event. So all the race directors that have held Aaron back on difficulty aren't going to be around to keep him in check. So he's going to go crazy. <laughs> that so should I'm be looking- a good one. I want to say yeah. that's September? Is that right? Yeah, September 28th. It's at the old Dirt Runner course, if you're familiar with that. Oh, that's a brutal course. Yeah, and Aaron said they only use like quarter of the venue. He's going to use the whole thing. So it's going to be some new parts as well. Nice. That's going to be great. Again, Aaron knows what he's doing. And then Dana, his wife, uh, she actually reached out to me a couple of weeks ago asking my opinions on some of that stuff. Again, I probably will not, unfortunately, not make that event. Uh, oh. But she was asking, she was asking some for my advice on some of the ultra OCR aspects because I think they're going to have a kind of like your race. They're going to have the 5K option or the couple mile option and then the ultra option. Yeah, I think they got a 10K open and competitive and then a multi lap. I'm not sure how long. Unless yeah, that was five k as well. I'm not sure. That was one of the points of discussion. She was asking about um, length of like how many hours, how many laps I think I get in the suggested number of hours, and then was asking about 
obstacle completion rules and what's like what's industry standard and what other people have done in the past and what are the perks and takeaways. So, um, yeah, I shared my opinion, which I try to give, I try to give good advice, not like, not just here's the advice that would give Evan the best advantage. It's like, well, here's advice that I think would, would draw in the most number of people to sign up. Um, but that's just what people have done here. And here are examples of what people have done in the past and some positives and negatives of it, right? Like frontlines, ultra endurance, is mandatory completion. You have to do every obstacle if you want to. You can't penalty out of every, every anything, um, which I think is a really cool concept. But I also think sometimes that limits the number of people who might sign up because there's some people who are like, well, I can't. I know I can't do some of these obstacles more than once. So yeah, you know, there's a balance there. Um, and then conquer the gauntlet has something in between, right? Where it's like most of the obstacles for the continuum when they were still doing it is are mandatory, but there's like four or five where you could penalty out of the, just those specific obstacles and then everything else is mandatory. So kind of a mix. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of the, the event of the year, in my opinion. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be good. That's going to be good. We got some, you know, like there's yeah, every, every year, some people are like, Oh, well, OCR is dying. Well, they put, you know, there's some, there's some good events coming. I mean, you got mythic race and then even in the Midwest, mythic waste, Hazelwood, two events, uh, race ready obstacles event right and then um as far as like national and international right we have ocrwc again world toughest motor obviously in uh florida this year so probably somewhere near orlando and then we have uh the saudi arabia race uh if you haven't been tr- following that i know matt davis on orm just did another podcast about it but largest prize purse in ocr history happened in saudi arabia at a tough mutter eight hour infinity so are you going Maybe strong, maybe I got to get it cleared through work um, and get some other, some other stuff lined up. It's, it's penciled into my calendar and I'm currently planning like I'm going, but uh, we'll see if it actually pans out. So, and it, like I said on the podcast before, it will be super cool. Even if you're like, well, I'm not going to get into prize money. So what's the point of going one visiting a foreign country is always cool. You get to experience a different culture Um, Two, the, to be able to say that you were at the start line running with the some of the best ultra endurance OCR athletes in the world and uh we're at was at the event with the largest prize purse in OCR history is is still pretty cool. Um so yeah. Any any consideration of going, Will? Oh uh I've no I wanted to I can't afford to go. I got I bought a house this year, so it's limited me. <laughs> that will do that. <laughs> and you're running a race, yeah. That is uh the race director. So yeah, those are both both expensive uh, yeah. endeavors there. Four thousand dollars of scaffoldings came yesterday, so that took a big hit. Yeah, what um, as a race director, like let's say someone else wants to put on their own race, what is your advice to them? Uh, know your why. Okay. Because you're going to have a lot of times where you're going to question why you're doing it, whether it's the expenses. It's even if you do it cheap, it's probably it's going to be expensive, or the stress of getting signups or worried about your first build week, um, know why you're doing it. You know, for me, it's, you know, trying to help these organizations keeps me going. Yeah. That's it. It does weigh on the pocketbook and a little bit of stress here and there, but it's, it's worth it. What was something that you were like completely, you felt blindsided of it, but you were like, well, I was not expecting that, you know, this would cost this much or uh, this would be one of my big problems. Right. Cause like, I think people know like, yes, getting signups is going to be tough. That's a, that's a challenge, but, 
anything that you were like completely blindsided with you thought uh a couple of things um one i didn't realize how many people like to sign up like last minute mm. they probably 40 percent of my signups come within the last month which kind of stresses you out when you're like oh no one's coming and then last three or four weeks everybody signs up so i always sign up like the year before <laughs> yeah that, get, kind of, that surprised get, me yeah get those lowest prices uh but people like to wait and, the last minute yeah and then woods wood wasn't very expensive because i bought it during covid no oh, geez but so it's a little better now but everything's still expensive yeah and t-shirts are surprisingly expensive Their metals are like a third the cost of t-shirts that's so weird and yeah, I, I can get i get and, my t-shirt about but, about three times the cost of a metal that's crazy and i know the so the metal company you use the same one i used for the ocr america buckles and some of the other buckles and they are they're the quality is phenomenal right like the mythic race metals the regular 5k metals look super nice the buckles were super nice so um are you doing the ridiculous banner again for the champions Oh yes, yeah, definitely doing that. That's one of my cool. I, I I have several of my coolest prizes are specifically from the one event I did for you. I had a I got a belt buckle. I have this. I don't know how big this thing is. Four feet by foot and a half or something like that. Uh, banner. It says champion with the giant mythic race logo hanging in my uh, trophy room. I'm sitting next to. And then the team race award is this like preposterously preposterously large dragon skull and sword. So. Uh, lots of really cool swag uh, in addition to being a great event. We try, we try to do it right. You do. You do. All right. We're going to start wrapping it up uh, before we get go- going. Since we have Will on the podcast, we'll ask him, tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. Okay. So like you said, I I ran track in college. I was a sprinter. So back in 2016, I think it was, I took third at the USA track and field indoor for 300 meters, which is about 32 seconds of running. And in 2021, I took third at the Spartan US Championships 10K, which is about 40 seconds. So I got two third place podiums, national championships from 300 meters to 10,000 meters. Nice. I love it. I love it. Uh, I'm going to, I usually try to match something. I'm going to go with um, one. Well, I'm going to do two things. One, so I'm currently sitting at 96 OCR podiums. I'm trying to plan it. So number 100 is Mythic Race. That is my goal. We will see if I can find a couple of events between now and April to line that up well. And then obviously have uh, good enough performances because I wanted to make it at an event that I, you know, love and um, I have friends there to kind of celebrate the moment. So that is my plan for that. And two, uh, I'm going to jump, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent, jump way back to high school. I was in, um, which I think if you read my books, you know, I was in a couple of musicals, uh, throughout high school and plays. I was in six product, six musicals and five plays. And, uh, here's where I'm going off on a tangent. So are you familiar with the, uh, hanging munchkin from wizard of Oz? Are you familiar yes. with this? Okay. Yeah. Right. So give people a quick explanation of like what your understanding of the story is. So isn't like in the background of one of the scenes, one of the munchkins hung themselves from a tree and you can see them. Yeah. So growing up, that, that's the story, right? And it's the scene where they right after they meet the Tin Man and they're they're galloping off into the woods along the yellow brick road there. So in the background, there is 
Um, and I remember watching this on VHS. There's something swinging on a rope. Is it a person? Is it a sandbag? Is it another prop? I don't know. Um, yeah, obviously they say it's not a person because they wouldn't. They they say we we wouldn't have left something like that in the film, and um, you know that that's not something obviously they want to talk about if if someone actually did in fact kill themselves on set. So I was always like, oh yeah, it's just a it's just a hanging prop or something. Um, side note: when I was in the musical in high school, someone took a t- a troll, one of those little troll dolls, and put them yeah. on a on a, on a noose and swung them down from one of the trees because they had like talking trees at that part. Um, so I was watching the movie with my daughter this weekend and um, we're watching like the remastered edition and I'm like, Oh, let me see if I can see the the hanging dude on the remastered edition. And I go in and it is definitely not something hanging. It is definitely like a giant bird. It's like this giant, like emu looking thing. And it's like flapping its wings. And I was like, what? And then, so then I go down the rabbit hole of the internet and I start researching stuff on YouTube and they're showing the two footage, like the 1989 one uh, that everyone uh, has the swinging thing. And then the, the giant bird one on the remastered one. And then like you look into the comments and people are arguing over which is the original version. You go down the rabbit hole real quick and there's a lot of crazy claims. And then people are like, no, the hanging one was edited by people as a joke. And it's like, well, it was edited by people and in 1989 it gets really confusing if anyone wants a deep dive into the hanging munchkin the suicide munchkin uh feel free to and hit me back up i uh i was gonna go a little bit deeper and quickly realize how crazy stuff was getting and then it got upset when i started looking at comments and they're like no this was clearly edited by someone on youtube it's like you youtube wasn't around in the 80s guys it wasn't around in the 90s and i 100 percent remember watching the hanging uh, the swinging, I'm going to call it the swinging object in the background when I was in high school, because I was in the Wizard of Oz twice, once in elementary school and once in high school. So we watched that movie a whole bunch. And we specifically remember that, that was like a big talking point of the thing. So anyway, very, very obscure tangent there. Um, All right. Final shout out you want to give friends, family, sponsors, et cetera. Um, we'll give a shout out again to Race Ready Obstacles. Um, if you guys, if anybody races any race, um, their holds are the same ones that they make for everybody. So if you want to train with what you're going to race on, definitely check them out. They're locally owned, veteran owned, and great people to deal with. So I highly recommend checking them out for all your training gear. I'll second that. I'll second that. I'm going to give a. Uh, sh- I'll go for it. I just want to give a shout out to um, Julie over at Phoenix Race. Uh, she helped me get my race up and going she designed our logos and our first couple of medals they host some great rates races down in the south so be sure to check them out as well and she's also working for Legendborn. Is, is is that correct yes so she's designed a lot of the cool jerseys you all see yeah so i i funny i had emailed Legendborn for something and she responded and i was like you work for Legendborn." <laughs> it's like oh cool um i'm gonna give a quick shout out to obstacle running adventures uh, so Mike from Obstacle Running Adventures sent me a clip of the Accountability Corner podcast. It's a br- podcast in the UK uh, by a couple of British guys who are run OCRs. Oh, seemed pretty good. And uh, one of them was talking about one of them made a joke about writing a book. And then one of the other ones was like, there are books on obstacle course racing. And they got like, really? And then the, the this dude over in the UK had my book and he referenced it and said it was pretty good, which I appreciate the compliment. 
And uh, Mike is the one who had sent me that clip over to me. So I uh, appreciate the work he's doing and giving me a shout out and sharing those clips. And then um, I'm also going to give a shout out to you. If anyone has watched the Ultra OCR Man documentary, uh, day seven was at your property, which is not Mythic Race. It's just um, that was your that was your that's your property and some of the obstacles you had built at your house at the time. So uh, you can check that out. I think you're in the background of a couple shots. I don't think we got any good close-ups of you, though. That's probably good for you. <laughs> so I appreciate uh, all the support you've given over the years um, for you know my, some of my charity events and some of the other work you've done with as far as strength and speed goes and uh, helping build OCR as a company and as a brand across the U.S. Yeah, uh, and then if anyone, again, Christmas coming right up right around the corner, got books all over the website teamstrengthspeed.com it's a newly designed website it's got a fighting section it's got a christianity section which is or faith section rather which i'm slowly building out uh you'll see more of that a lot of the fighting and christianity content coming at a later date so it's got a lot of things in the work that i'm, I'm working on but head out and check over the new teamstrengthspeed.com website uh pick up some books as gifts they're a great gift and then obviously blegmits another very popular gift uh and then my other suggestion, this is one of my favorite suggestions for gifts, is buy someone a race entry, like buy them a mythic race entry. And um, or if you're if you're an athlete, and you want um, you want to get a gift from someone that's a race entry. You know, you put the cost of the race entry and then you have essentially that person becomes your sponsor for that event. Right. So when they pay for that, you mark it down on your calendar. All right. You know, aunt whatever bought me this race entry or whatever and then when you go to the race you send them pictures and results from the race so it's like they they're getting something in return in addition to giving their christmas present that's one of my recommendations for uh christmas you don't know what to buy people because i know a lot of people have too much stuff and they're looking for experiences over stuff at this point so um yeah all right anything else before we get going will no i think we covered everything All right. Sounds good. I will see you in early 2024 at latest. Uh, Probably see you at Hazelwood, the first one. Yep. And Mythic Race. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. All right. Later. (laughs) 